Hey guys, it's Tim, and this is Wrestling Unlimited, as it's Wednesday, and that means tonight was AEW Dynamite. Now, as far as tonight's Dynamite does go, I kind of feel 50-50 on it, because I thought it was a good show, for sure, but I also felt like this is a confusing show at times as well. Like, why did you do this? Why did this get changed? What the what? So, we'll talk about all that. Overall, I do think it was a good show. As far as a go-home show, because that's what people are going to ask, did you think it was a good go-home show? As far as it being a go-home show for the pay-per-view, mm, trying to think. I think it built a lot of interest for the... It built a lot of interest for the world title match, kind of, while still kind of being like you're overbooking things. And it built a lot of interest for um, the tag title match. Excuse me, everything else, I felt like, eh, it didn't really get me excited for anything else on this show. And so it's like, you did sort of good building up a few matches, but then every other match just kind of felt there. Like, I get it. You're trying to build up Roderick Strong versus um, Orange Cassidy. But when you're doing an Orange Cassidy-Nick Wayne match, that nobody cares about Nick Wayne being the opponent. We'll talk about that one. But no one cares about Nick Wayne being the opponent. And then you just have 10 guys running in. Not 10, but it's like three, six, like six, seven guys running in. So is that just what the match is going to be at the pay-per-view? Just a lot of interference? Because if that's the case, then I couldn't give a damn about Roderick Strong and Orange Cassidy. But mm, we'll see. We'll see how it all does go. But I do have high hopes for the pay-per-view. They're going to have like 16,000 people, if not more, there in the fan or in the stands celebrating Sting. There's going to be some cool stuff I hear they're going to do. So hopefully it all goes off without a hitch as far as the Sting match does go. But with that, also, I got to say, hey, don't tell me how to do my job in my chat. All I'm going to say is YouTube chat, be patient. Just because something didn't go up when you thought it was supposed to go up doesn't mean it's not going to go up. Maybe there was a connection issue and I couldn't get it to post. So don't come at me telling me to do my job. It'll get done, and if it doesn't get done, there's a reason. So, again, don't come on my chat telling me what to do or how to do. But regardless, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Remember on Twitch, that's the best way to get your comment, question, or concern read live on the air. Also remember that you can subscribe to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I greatly appreciate it if you did right here for Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember to head over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button. That way you know when we post new videos. That way you know when we go live. And that way you know when we do post things to the community tab. Also finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game like F124. Maybe you're getting Expeditions of Mud Runner. Maybe you're claiming the free game, which right now is Super Meat Boy Forever, just for the rest of the day. Then tomorrow, we're getting Aerial Knights Never Yield. 
or you're getting something for Fortnite or Rocket League or, or Fall Guys. Use this code right here, PWUnlimited at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Again, use code PWUNLIMITED for all Epic Games and Epic Game Store purchases. So as far as Dynamite does go, the show opens up with Hangman Page coming out with one singular crutch. Page makes his way out to the ring. He's hobbling and wobbling and stumbling. Well, not really stumbling, but you get my point. Having trouble getting into the ring and all of that. And so he asks for a microphone, and they give him a microphone. Page basically says, I don't want to lie to you guys, but I'm not going to be able to work the pay-per-view this weekend, as you can see. And I go, well, you are lying to us. Because in real life, we know that if you don't work the show, it's because you have a personal issue that's going to keep you away. And that's why he did the fake injury. And so he's like, I wanted to compete, but I'm in pain, and it pains me not to compete. And then he gets booed, and Swerve comes out. Swerve comes out with Prince Nana. Strickland said, over the last six months, we tried to kill each other. We went to a war. We may have crossed some lines, but never did he want to want this to happen to Paige. Strickland said, the funny thing about fate is that you can't escape it. And some, and uh, the same can be said about his destiny in winning the title this Sunday. And you see here, Swerve shows sympathy for Hangman. And I go, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't need Swerve showing Hangman any god dang sympathy at all. We don't need Swerve showing sympathy for his arch enemy, I guess you could say. So this then leads to Samoa Joe making his way out to the ring. But he doesn't really get out of the ring. He stays on the top of the ramp. Joe comes out on the stage and said, It's time to tell the audience some truths. Strickland and Paige have been staring daggers at each other for weeks until they realize who the real man is. And that's the AW champion, Samoa Joe. Joe referred to Paige as Hopalong. I thought that was pretty funny. He goes, let me say, tell you something, hangman, or should I call you Hopalong? And they called both he and Strickland hungry, accomplished wrestlers. They're only hungry because Joe is starving. He said something like, Joe, he said, I'm starving your asses or something like that. I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? So Joe said, whether it's it's one-on-one or both of them, come revolution, he's whooping their asses. Strickland said that he went from a cruiser, uh, Strickland said, I went from a cruiserweight to challenging for the, or no, said, I went from a cruiserweight to being unemployed to now challenging in the main event of a pay-per-view for the world title. He said he's done anything, everything, anything, anything and everything necessary to get where he is today, including breaking into a wrestler, or breaking into a wrestling school to blade an 18-year-old kid and also trespassed, trespassed in another man's home and threatened his infant child. I'm like, damn, you're telling the truth here. Strickland said, He's a career maker and a career changer, and that'll send jo- he'll send Joe right back to commentary. Maybe he'll be out there wearing a poncho again. And I go, oh, damn. Strickland said that he's on the verge of making history and asked the crowd, whose house is it? And before the crowd, or as the crowd was about to say, Swerve's house, he is cracked in the back with a crutch, 
by Hangman Page, who shows that he's all right. He is not hurt at all. Page screamed at Strickland, said he's never going to let him win the world championship. Page then uh, yells at Joe, saying that he'll be there on Sunday, and he storms to the back as Strickland is slow to get to his feet with help from Prince Nana and others. He's knocked out for a good minute or so. So they did a couple of things good and a couple of things I didn't really like here. First off, I didn't think we needed the injury angle. Now, if they did that injury angle last week and then they knew this week, oh, Swerve's good to go. I mean, Hangman's good to go. All they needed to do was have Hangman come out and be like, hey, you guys saw that I may have been hurt last week? I ain't hurt. I'm good to go. Pay-per-view. Or for the pay-per-view. Then Swerve could have come out and didn't have to show sympathy to Hangman, which, again, that's the one thing I didn't like here. Didn't have to show sympathy. But what could have happened was the rest of this. Swerve could have got preoccupied with Samoa Joe, started yelling at Joe up the ramp while, while Hangman's behind him, slips out of the ring, grabs a baseball bat, grabs a, well, maybe not a baseball bat because that was used later in the show, grabs a kendo stick, grabs a broom or something, broom handle. But he could have grabbed something that he could have cracked over the back of Swerve. They didn't need to do the dumb, I'm hurt, oh, wait, no, I'm not angle. Because, again, it made Swerve show that he's got sympathy for Hangman. What, does he respect Hangman? Is this part of his baby face turn? Because I think in the end, though, this is all a, a um, Hangman Swerve. Or Hangman Swerve to a turn. Because Hangman said, I don't like to lie to you guys, so I need to tell you the truth. Well, he did lie to us. Because he said, oh, I'm hurt and I'm not making the pay-per-view. Well, that's your lie right there. But I think Hangman's turning heel. Swerve's going baby face. And I liked all that. But I didn't like the way they executed it. And it's just my opinion. You could say something else. You could say I'm wrong. You could say, no, I liked it all, this, that, and whatnot. But, yeah. I just feel like they could have got there a different way and didn't need to do the dumb fake injury angle that then made, and I'm beating a dead horse saying it over and over again, but that's how much I didn't like it, making Swerve show sympathy to Hangman. I just, that, I really, 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 really didn't like. Also, I see some people in the chat asking about, um... Luke, Luke had a school assignment he had to get done that he said was taking him longer than he expected. So that's all it was. That's what's up with Luke. Luke is busy with school. And as I say, school comes first. Looking something up here really quickly. Give me just one quick second here, guys. Um, we got a message that I'm looking into really quick. Okay, no, 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 no. This isn't anything. Sometimes people try to send me stuff and go, hey, did you read this report? Is this actually something? And it's nothing. It's really just nothing, 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 nothing. But let me just one more look, look, look. Hmm. Okay, yeah, no. So let me go into earlier today. Matthew Nicholas Jackson arrived. They walk into the building with baseball bats in hand. And Renee's just there waiting for him. Like, what? That's kind of weird. 
How long has she been standing there? Um, she asked them about their business with Ric Flair last week. Nicholas said, oh, that was great. We got some things. And she's like, okay, cool. Matthew then said, Sting Sting. He arrived yet? He's got to be here, right? And they want to congratulate him on his last dynamite. They need to do a, quote, exit interview. They show the baseball bats. Because at first they don't look like baseball bats. Looks like they got like canes or something. White canes, you know, walking canes. But then they show that they're baseball bats. And they're going to give Sting his, quote, unquote, exit interview. So they go walking around yelling, Sting, Stinger, where are you, Sting? Then we get our first match of the night. It's a six-man tag team match. This match was so fun. This match was long, but good. It was Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and Claudio Castagnoli of the BCC taking on Eddie Kingston and FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler. And again, like I said, good match. Nice preview for the two matches we're getting at the pay-per-view. Danielson and Kingston were going to start everything off when Danielson bailed for a lockup to hold. Uh, lockup had Kingston start with Cassidy Newley. Multiple shoulder blocks from Kingston, including one off the second uh, off the second rope to start. Danielson and Harwood then tagged in. There was a fast ground game here until Moxley and Wheeler jumped in and slugged it out. There was a forearm exchange that turned into headbutts and uppercuts until a uh, six-man brawl broke free. And then we go to our first picture-in-picture break of the night. Back from the break, Wheeler was trapped in a figure four before Harwood stomped on the fingers of Moxley to break the hold. Wheeler then fought free out of the BCC corner as Harwood made the hot tag and ran wild. After a trifecta of near falls on Moxley, Harwood hit a tiger driver, but Danielson broke it up and egged on Kingston, who was held back by the official allowing a Castanelli cheap shot to Harwood. Kingston then found himself surrounded on the floor. As Danielson shot for the leg and hit a charging low drop kick against the barricade. Katsignuli kept Harwood grounded back in the ring as we go to a second commercial break. Back from the break, Harwood was isolated on the other side of the ring the entire time of the break, they told us, and was dropped with a heart attack and a flying headbutt off the top by Danielson. Harwood back dropped out of a Moxley pile driver and made the tag to Kingston, who was finally face to face with Brian Danielson in the ring. They fired off some chops and an exploder for a two. Castagnoli suffered the same fate, but Moxley jumped in and laid out the uh, laid out the friends on the other side with lariats, which Kingston no-sold, and there was a slugfest. Danielson flew in with a corner dropkick as Castagnoli did the giant swing with Danielson's assist, assisted dropkick in mid-revolution. Moxley, and, Moxley then spiked Kingston with the pile driver, but Harwood made the save. The match then broke down, leaving Danielson to eat the spinning back fist, from Kingston, and a top-rope center bulldog from FTR for a two. All six men that started to pair off. The BCC applied triple sleeper holds and anvil elbows. Kingston, Harwood, and Wheeler all did break free eventually and unloaded machine gun chops until the tables were turned once again. Just then, everyone started hitting their big finishers until Kingston missed a backfist on Danielson, who hit a regal plex and a busaku knee. Instead of a pin, though, Danielson opted to kick Kingston's head in, and he then poured down the boots and applied a triangle choke where Kingston didn't tap, but passed out, leading to the match. With the submission still applied, Danielson berated Kingston. The commentary said, couldn't hear any of it since he's unconscious. So, good match. I thought it was really fun. A lot of hard-hitting action. 
and a good preview for the matches this weekend at the pay-per-view. Uh, we then saw footage of CM, uh, from CMLL of Chris Jericho in his younger days being mentored by Atlantis, the father of his opponent later, Atlantis Jr. Renee Paquette is backstage with Jericho, who said 30 years ago he was thrown into the deep end and na with names like Negro Casas, Silver King, El Dandy, and Atlantis. Jericho said that he wanted to repay the favor to teach Atlantis Jr. some lessons, including violence, only a Caraz... Uh, a Carazon de Leon can do. So then we get Will Ospreay. Man, did this guy come off as a superstar. This man came off as a big deal. This is good to see. This is really, really, really good to see. Tony Schiavone is in the ring to make it official. And then introduces Will Ospreay to the ring to a huge, loud, tremendous ovation from the crowd in Huntsville, Alabama, I think they were. Osprey said that he wants to thank everyone for the reception and for allowing him to finish his obligations with New Japan. He then spent 10 days in Barbados with his wife, and now he's here ready to go. Osprey said that he's dressed in a green jumpsuit like Kermit the Frog and said, oh, also on my way here, I lost my bags, but they found them, so I'm good. And he said he, he's uh, ready to win his match this weekend. He's already got plenty of wins in AEW. He's won over Orange Cassidy. He's won against Kenny Omega, and he's won against Chris Jericho. To the territory might be different, but he's ready to pick up where he left off as a member of the Don Callis family. And right on cue, Don Callis and the family come out. Powerhouse Hobbs and Konosuke Takeshita. Now, Osprey looks perturbed here a little bit. A little like, oh, you're stealing my thunder. He's got this weird smirk on his face. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I see what's happening here. Callis said there's nothing more like a big old Callus family reunion. Callus thanked Osprey for mentioning everything they accomplished together and that they'll top it by not having a match of the night, but a match of the decade. Not, or, no, not having a match of the year, but having a match of the decade when it's he against the Alpha Konosuke Takeshita. Well, actually said when it's the Alpha Konosuke Takeshita against Will, by God, Osprey. So I'm just like, oh. So you'll give Takeshita his correct um, nickname, but not Will. Will's the aerial assassin. He said this will be like Jordan and Pippen when they used to go, go at it all hardcore and stuff, 100% in practice, and then go out together and win NBA championships. He's like, so really, it doesn't matter who wins the revolution. The real winner is the Don Callis family, and then ask both men to shake hands. Shake hands. Osprey then slowly kind of just, mm, want to shake my hand? Extends his hand out for Takeshita. And they do eventually shake hands. Osprey goes to walk away, and Takeshita pulls him back in. The crowd's kind of stirring. Takeshita goes to walk away, and Osprey pulls him back in, going, I can play this game too. Two kind of get nose to nose, and Don's in the back going, hey, calm down, calm down, calm down. He then, like, slaps the hand of Hobbs, gives him a fist bump, and Osprey is left in the ring with, his music playing as Callus, Hobbs, and Takeshita leave together. And Will still got that look on his face like, I don't know if I can trust them. He's got that, I don't know if I can trust them look on his face, which is interesting. So Renee Paquette is standing by with Eddie Kingston, talking about the disrespect shown by Danielson tonight ahead of their match on Sunday when the Young Bucks would walk up. Nicholas says that, yeah, I don't care. Because the first he's like, what are you doing interrupting me? Well, what is this all about? 
Nicholas says that he doesn't care and scolds Kingston. Says, you know, when you come here, you should, you should present yourself a little better instead of wearing Tim's and sweatpants. And he's like, you know, Matthew, maybe we need to, maybe we need to implement a dress code. So that way people look more presentable. Matthew's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Eddie, I want to apologize for my brother. He's a little bit of a hothead sometimes. And Kingston, um, and tells Kingston to start dressing like a champion. And was like, well, dress code. Hmm. And so they just end the segment. It just ends. They're very weird. Like, why do we even need this? And Kingston and uh, Renee just both look super, like, confused. And then we cut back to the arena shot. And Taz goes, oh, yeah, dress code ain't going to be no good. I've been in a place where there was a dress code. And it wasn't good for anybody. And I'm like, okay, what does it matter to you, Taz? You are sued every week anyways. So this was a one of one of many, like I've stated, super weird what the heck segments on the show. So we got Orange Cassidy versus Nick Wayne. And when this match got announced earlier today, I sent out a tweet going, I know what you guys are gonna say. It's an open challenge, so anybody can accept, but why Nick Wayne? When you're Tony Khan and you're booking a match, you want to book the match that you think that the crowd is gonna be the most interested in. Yes, Nick Wayne is a great wrestler. But they can't be interested in the guy that gets his butt beat every week. That just is the guy that Christian sends to the ring to get attacked. And then is taken out by one or two moves. And the match itself was good-ish. Orange Cassidy and Nick Wayne worked well together. But my point was, was rectified, I guess you could say, when Nick Wayne came out and the crowd didn't even respond. Orange comes out and he got a good pop. But then Nick Wayne's music hits. And they didn't do anything. They didn't even really boo him. Slight boo and Christian walked out because Nick walked out first. And then Christian came out after and they walked down the ramp together and whatnot. But no response for Nick Wayne at all. He does this thing in the corner where he's, nah, I can't do the W like he does. What is it? How does he do it? Like this or whatever. Yeah, like this. Wayne, you know, he does a little pose and everything. It's just like the crowd didn't respond to him at all. And my point exactly. Nick Wayne is a great professional wrestler. I've seen Nick Wayne in tremendous matches throughout the years. But in AEW, they have made him the guy that Christian sends to the ring when he doesn't want to fight somebody right now. And then what happens? Nick Wayne gets thrown into the ring and gets his butt beat, whether that's a spear from Adam Copeland, whether that's just getting taken out by Daniel Garcia last week. It's like, and why are we supposed to take Nick Wayne, of all people, as a serious challenger for the title? Again, I get it that it's an open challenge. But when you're booking the match, and again, that's why this is scripted television. So that way, you know, you could put matches together that you think the crowd's going to want to see. And this wasn't one of them. The crowd did not care about Nick Wayne as the challenger. Now, granted... Nick Wayne and Orange Cassidy did work well together. Did work great together, I may say. But again, the crowd did not care about Nick Wayne as the challenger because all he is to this AEW audience is a guy that gets his butt beat every single week. So, as far as the match does go, though, after an early back and forth and some groundwork, Cassidy slowly kipped up off of a head scissors as both tried finisher attempts, but they failed. 
Wayne then sent Cassidy to the floor with a leaping back elbow. Wayne then drove Cassidy back, uh, Cassidy back first into the steps and followed this up with the moonsault off the second. Back inside, Cassidy wisely rolled out of harm's way. Uh, harm's way, and with Wayne going to the top, but Wayne didn't care as he hit a somersault dive to the floor. Again, back inside the ring, Wayne missed a, a top rope double stomp, tried for a superplex, but Cassidy fought free. With Wayne down at this point, the referee missed Christian Cage crossing, crotching Cassidy, but did see Cage on the apron and ejected the patriarchy as we led to a break. Again, it was a match just full of outside interference. So even though Orange and Nick worked well together, the overarching thing you're going to remember from this match is all the outside interference, not the competitors working the match. And granted, that's the story of the match. It's the outside interference. The outside interference of, hey, we're setting up stuff for the pay-per-view, but I don't know. Don't make it a title match then. Like, I, it shouldn't be. You're not doing the title any justice when you're having these matches with people that the, the audience doesn't care about, and then there's just interference after interference after interference. It really diminishes the championship. So Cassidy mounted a comeback as we come back from the break, ramming Wayne head first multiple times into multiple turnbuckles as the uh, he then hit a top rope crossbody and a spinning DDT for a two. Wayne answered with a fisherman suplex with a bridge for a two of his own before mocking Cassidy with the little kicks. Cassidy popped right up and fired off a super kick before delivering some kicks of his own and including a PK. Wayne countered an orange punch to a German suplex, but Cassidy responded with a beach break for a two. Just then, Mike Bennett and Matt Taven would appear at ringside. So we're watching the match, and we just see two guys in the crowd go, running across, like, there's, like, rows of seats, little walk section, and then the upper level of seats. So in between the levels, you see two guys just, and I go, what the hell was that? And then the crowd starts, and I'm like, what's going on? And then we know it's, it's the kingdom. Bennett and Taven. So they appear at ringside. Wayne hits a dragon suplex and gets a two. Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta then brawl with the kingdom. So they're cleared up and good to go. Wayne then takes off the top turnbuckle pad until Daniel Garcia shows up to distract Wayne. This then allows Cassidy to hit the orange punch and get the pin. So Cassidy does retain the title. Then immediately as soon as the match ends, Roderick Strong runs in and lays Orange out with the knee, the jumping knee strike, but he totally botched and missed it. And it's like, say this is Orange Cassidy right here, right? Like he was here, not even anywhere near Orange it looked like from the camera angle. He was well in front of Orange when he just jumps up in front of him and then Orange just takes the bump. It didn't look all that great. Rocky and Beretta then jump into the ring and the Undisputed Kingdom bail. Cool. Good match. Like, the two guys worked well together, but it was just too much outside interference for my liking. Then we go to a segment that made somewhat sense, but mostly no sense. Bang, bang, the scissor gang. Renee said, hey, you guys worked well together last week as a team. Are we going to see more of that? Trishley said that their wires crossed up a little bit, but they're all back on track now. Austin then said, we liking, we're liking these combinations of matches. So how about we do this? Austin Gunn and the acclaimed this Saturday on Collision. Bones goes, eh, that's kind of silly. How about the acclaimed and Austin Gunn in a trios match? And I'm like, 
Are you? What? It's the same fucking thing, but I get it. You want first billing? Stupid. Also, Billy asked Max, what was, what was up with that rap on Saturday? And he goes, oh, you think people realized and, and noticed? But yeah. They then did the thing. Uh, Jay White was like, everybody loves the acclaimed. And then like the acclaimed scissored. Well, Austin was going like this and like, no one else going to guns? So yeah. And this Bang Bang Scissor Gang has not been for me. It's kind of just been lackluster. If I'm going to be completely honest. It's, it's really been just a... Uh, Oh, we want to do a lot with these six guys, so let's just throw them in random matches. And there's too much of that on AEW. Too many random matches where, yeah, guys are getting wins and wins and wins. But against who? Guys we don't care about or even know? So we had Sky Blue versus Chris Statlander. Stokely Hathaway and Willow Nightingale were at ringside. So was Julia Hart. And, Yeah. This match was just there. Not the best of matches, but it wasn't horrible or it wasn't bad. So I need to address this in the live chat. I talked about this already, but I'm going to say it anymore. Anyways, Joe D. Iconic. Because the open challenge is makes, uh, he says it's an open challenge, so it makes sense. But that's not what I was talking about. Yes, it is an open challenge, so anybody can accept the challenge, which means. You don't have to go off the rankings. But in a scripted program, the writer of this show, Tony Khan, has to know who the fans are going to care about and not care about as a challenger. So don't book a match where the fans aren't going to care about Nick Wayne. Making it an open challenge means that you don't have to worry about the rankings. But you still have to worry about booking a match that the crowd is going to care about, booking a challenger that the crowd is going to be interested in, and that's not Nick Wayne. That's what I'm getting at. In storyline, it makes sense because it's an open challenge. Anybody can accept the open challenge. But in actuality, in setting up and booking your show, you need to be booking a match with somebody that the crowd is going to actually care about. It's somebody that the crowd is going to want to see challenge for the belt. And that's not, again, Nick Wayne. So that's my whole point, John. It's, yes, the open challenge makes it so Nick Wayne can be the challenger. But in all actuality, when booking a television show, Nick Wayne is not somebody that the fans are going to want to see. So they're not going to care about the match. No matter what kind of stipulation it's got on it, whether that is because of the rankings or because of it's an open challenge. It A makes it because like like I said, Nick Wayne came out to no reaction from the crowd. And then B, well, no matter who this was, whether this was Nick Wayne, whether this was Wardlow, whether this was anybody that the fans cared about, everyone knew he wasn't gonna lose because he's defending the title on Saturday or Sunday. And that's a whole other can of worms we can open up. Why is he defending the title so many times before the pay-per-view in matches that we know he's not gonna lose because they're building up Orange Cassidy versus Roderick Strong for that belt. They're not building up just Roddy challenging for the belt in general. Yes, kind of. But the story is now everyone wants to see Roddy and Orange. They've built up the Undisputed uh, Kingdom versus the Best Friends. So everyone knows Orange isn't dropping the title. And even if it's not Nick Wayne and it's anybody, 
If it's anybody, he's not going to lose. John says, so what's the point of the rankings again? There is no point of the rankings, but at least with the rankings, like with the world title match, you had the two top contenders in a number one contenders match that went to a draw, so you put them both in the match. You use the rankings right in that regard. But the way the reason to do an open challenge is so anybody can challenge for the title and storyline, and it doesn't have to go off the rankings. I hope that made sense in my my um, ramifications and justifications or whatever the right word is. My explanation. Open challenge means they don't have to go off the rankings. Rankings did make sense for the world title match, but for the most part, rankings don't make sense. Sky Blue versus Chris Statlander. So we did see Sky Blue did call out Chris Statlander on collision, and that's why this match is happening tonight. They are one and one as well. This was the rubber match. Nightingale apologized to the fans at ringside that Stokely had to be there. Uh, Blue wasted no time charging right at Statlander at the bell, but the power game of Statlander put her in control. Statlander remained on the attack, ragdolling Blue, who attempted a tilt-to-whirl head scissors. Blue blocked a headstand boot in the corner. This was, what the hell was this move? So, Chris Statlander runs into the corner. She then does a headstand on the top rope, and then she, like, puts her legs down. Was she supposed to kick Sky Blue in the face or something when Sky Blue ran at her? Sky Blue just grabbed the legs and then threw her over the top rope. This was a meh. Uh, John, WWE's never done rankings. WWE has never had a ranking system to determine the champion, the challenger for the championship. So you can't use WWE as an example for anything like that because, again, WWE has never done a ranking system. Anyways, so they're on the outside fighting when... Statlander's on uh, the floor. Sky Blue's on the apron. She then grabs Sky Blue. Military presses her over her head and throws her into the front rows to go to a commercial break. Back from the break, break, back, back from the break, Blue's in control. Now, you may have saw why she was in control during the picture-in-picture, picture, but I didn't get a picture-in-picture picture on the TBS app. So I don't know how all of a sudden Sky Blue gets from thrown into the crowd to I'm in control after the break. I don't know. They didn't tell us either. Statlander uh, did answer back, though, with a diving elbow off the second rope for a double-down spot. Statlander was a house of fire until a rolling neckbreaker put Black back, uh, Blue black on, back on the offense. Both ladies then fought on the apron, trading high kicks and German suplexes as uh, high kicks and a German suplex from Statlander. Hart and Nightingale then tried to tend to their partners, but both ladies started facing off. You got, like, face-to-face, and they didn't really fight or anything. Blue then hit a drop to a hold to Statlander into the steel steps, and then back inside the ring, Blue connected with the Canadian Destroyer and an inside cradle for a two. Statlander cut off Blue in the ropes with the Nakanoclasm, as Hathaway was like, hey, you want to use this chain? You want to cheat? I can give you a chain. And she's like, no. And then Willow started arguing with Stokely, so that distracted uh, Statlander. The, the referee then yells at um, Stokely as well. Julia Hart then gets in the ring, Dex Statlander with a TBS championship, allowing Sky Blue to hit the code blue and picking up the victory. Get another match with just too much interference that took away from the actual match. And so afterwards, Stokely's like, eh, I'm I'm sorry, my bad. And you got Willow behind me going, 
So yeah. So we're in the back again with Matthew and Nicholas, and they find a door that says Sting. They're like, oh, we got it. Sting's locker room. We found him. And Nick's like, I'm going in. And Matt's like, wait, 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 wait. Sting's crazy at times, and Sting can do things that we're not expecting. So just be careful. And Nick still just barges right in. And it's a room with a bunch of baseball bats just hanging from the ceiling and a full-length mirror. Matthew then looks in the mirror all confused and upset. Cool. Then we get Lionheart Chris Jericho and Atlantis Jr. with Atlantis at ringside. Now, is it Atlantis or Atlantis? Because commentary all said Atlantis. I've only ever heard it as Atlantis, but you got super fancy Justin Roberts over here going, making his way to the ring uh, with Atlantis. Atlantis! Junior, and I'm like, so is it Atlantis or Atlantis? Everyone else says Atlantis except for you, bud. Because like everyone says, just here's another example of Justin Roberts, like what the what? Everyone says, oh Ray Phoenix, but he's Ray Phoenix. Like what? Ray Phoenix? So is it Ray Phoenix or Ray Phoenix? Which which is it? Justin Roberts? Is it Atlantis or Atlantis? Anyways. The end and the post-match here was very weird, I will say. The match itself wasn't all that good either. But the crowd was into it, so that's good to see. Jericho had his Lion Tamer entrance and gear. And so Atlantis and Jericho shook hands to start the match. Atlantis showed off his speed immediately with a top rope crossbody and two monkey flips to follow. Jericho countered the third into a walls of Jericho. Atlantis quickly got to the top rope. Jericho tried unmasking Atlantis Jr. until Aubrey Edwards put a stop to it, allowing Atlantis Sr. to lure Jericho in and choke him with a towel. And I'm like, what, what, what? Ref, you're watching this and not doing anything. Like, come on. This then led to Atlantis Jr. hitting a dive and a slingshot to the post. Atlantis wanted a powerbomb on the steps. And so, like, he goes to pick Jericho up and he almost drops him and he puts him back down. Then he goes to pick Jericho up again. Doesn't really get him to... Like, Jericho doesn't go up. He finally gets Jericho up. And Jericho does a Hurricane Rana with Atlantis going face first into the steps. And we go to a break. I'm like, that didn't look good. That didn't look good at all. So Atlantis regained control during the break. Cutting Jericho off on a with a top rope arm drag for a two. Atlantis then fought for a wheelbarrow and wheelbarrow German suplex. And he got another near fall off of it. As he tried to follow this up by going to the top. Jericho cut Atlantis off. With a avalanche bulldog, kinda, maybe, sorta. I don't know what this was. And the crowd or the, the announcers didn't even know this. Was. Basically, Atlantis was on the top rope. Jericho was on the top rope. He grabbed him by the top of his head, and then the two just fell down. I don't know. They're like, "Oh, that looked like the old uh, avalanche bulldog Jericho used to do. We saw that in the video earlier." And then, yeah, okay, cool. Atlantis then caught a charging Jericho with a snap power slam and followed up with a dive to the outside. Back inside the ring, Jericho cut Atlantis off in the ropes, connected with 10 punches before delivering a Hurricane Rana. Atlantis ducked a Judas effect and applied a La, At- a La Atlantida. Atlantida, I think is what they called it. Jericho escaped into the Lion Tamer, and Atlantis Sr. was like, get to the ropes, get to the ropes, and like, he almost got to the ropes, Atlantis almost got to the ropes, and then Jericho pulls him back. So then eventually Atlantis Sr. throws the towel in, gives up for his son. 
So then Alanis jumps in the ring to check on Alanis Jr. And Jericho starts checking on him, and he's going, my back, my back. And so they try to help him to his feet, and he stumbles and falls. Try to help him up again, and Jericho goes, hey, that way. Look at that camera over there, like telling him, hard cam. Look at the hard cam. And so Atlantis, goes, Atlantis Jr. goes to stand up again and then falls again. I don't know if he's just overselling it or he really hurt his back. I don't know. This was very weird. And then eventually he like got up on one knee, and then he got to his feet, and then they all stood there. But it was just, ah, uh, I, I, I don't know. It was very awkward. And eventually Jericho and Atlantis hugged it out, and they all hugged it out, and yeah. But it was just very weird. They were supposed to all embrace but Atlantis, for some reason, wouldn't get up. And Jericho's got... You could literally see Jericho going like this. Like, look at that camera. Look that way. A hard cam. So, not a, a horrible match. I wouldn't call it a great match or anything. And then, awkward at the end. That was our main event match, but not our main event segment. So, after this, the Young Bucks make their way out to the ring. They got baseball bats in tow. And... They go down to the ringside area, and they walk down and take a left, and right there at the corner where the ring steps are, a bunch of people wearing sting masks. And so they pull the mask off of one guy, and it's just a guy. Then, like, another guy's starting to pull his mask off, and he reveals it's him, Darby Allen. So Darby jumps the rail of the arcade, attacks both Bucks, but they eventually take him out. They hit him with the... Big old penalty kick off the apron to the floor deal. They throw him in the ring. EVP trigger. Hit him with the EVP trigger. And then they go, come on, come on, come on. And we get the music of the nature boy, Ric Flair. The commentary is asking, whoa, what is this all? What is this all about? Is Rick really working with the Young Bucks? Is Rick against Sting? And so Rick makes his way out, takes his coat off. He gets in the ring. They've got Darby up like this. They give Rick a, a baseball bat, and Rick's like, he drops the bat, and he punches Matthew, and he punches Nicholas, and he's like, ah, nah. it's like an old man fighting, because that's exactly what it is. It didn't look good. Rick didn't look good. So eventually, they crotch Rick. Rick falls down in the corner, and Matthew's on top, I think it's Matthew's on top of um. Rick pushing his face down like, you can't do that to Rick Flair. He's a 70-year-old man. You can't do that to a 70-year-old man. And I go, wait, isn't Rick older than 70? How old is Rick Flair? Rick is 75. And so they're screaming, and all of a sudden, Sting's music hits. So Matthew and Nicholas, with, with their bats, run up to the top of the ramp. Come on, Stinger. Come on, Stinger. And then all of a sudden, the crowd starts to rumble. Cameras cut. And you see from the top of the rafters, Sting's coming down. And I go, oh, my God, no way. They had Sting come down from the rafters. This was so awesome. This was so cool. Sting lands. The Bucks and slowly turn around. Darby unhooks Sting, and the Bucks charge at Sting, but he takes them out. Darby then goes to the top rope. It's a coffin drop to the outside. Sting then drops Nicholas with a scorpion death drop. Sting and Allen and Flair then stand tall in the ring as the Bucks retreat away. So that is how the show did go off the air. Again, great, great, great moment for Sting. Super cool to see him coming down from the rafters. 
I just, I can only imagine what we're going to get on Sunday. What kind of entrance are we going to get? This, this is probably going to be a super special entrance. Are we going to see any callbacks to Sting's career during the match? They said that on the preview show Friday night, there's going to be never before seeing footage of Sting from New Japan on the preview show. So that should be interesting. But with that, that was AEW Dynamite. Really good show. Not a really good show. A pretty good show. If I had to vote, I would say I liked it. And speaking of voting, I'm getting the poll going on Twitch. I liked it. It was all right. I didn't like it. So we got that. Poll is ready to go vote. But yeah, overall, that was a good episode of Dynamite. I didn't think it was great or anything. I thought it could have been better as a go-home show, building up more matches. And I get it. We still have Collision. And that's going to be because I was like nothing for the women's title match. But they're going to do that on Collision. We're going to see and hear from both of them. So it's like, okay, you got that, whatever. Now, as far as what you guys thought of the show, though, let me refresh all these polls. See if Threads will let me get on. Because I, I, I did the Threads poll. But now Threads won't let me log back in. It's been logging me out all day since yesterday, really. Threads has been very finicky. So I'm back in now. Nope, the poll didn't go on Threads. It said it went, but it didn't. Yeah, Threads on PC, desktop, has been very finicky for me all day. If you guys follow us on Threads and haven't seen really much posted there, that's why. But as far as the other polls do go, we could refresh those. As far as the Twitter poll does go, 57% liked the show. 23% thought it was just, no. 57% liked the show. 23% didn't like the show. And 20% thought it was just all right. As far as the YouTube community poll does go. It didn't post correctly. What the shit? Oh, there it goes. It just didn't show it to me correctly. 55% uh, liked the show. 25% didn't like the show. And 21% thought it was just all right. Brent said, enjoyed the sting spot. The exact same age as Sting, and I couldn't walk up the ring steps, never mind getting lowered from the rafters. Brent says, glad to see Sky Blue on TV. Brent says, great. Hangman Page is not hurt at all while using the crutches. I believe he's working, working for Adam Cole the whole time. No, he's not involved in any of that. If so, they wouldn't have put him through a goddamn window. As far as the live poll does go, 77% liked the show, 14% thought it was just all right, and 9% didn't like it. John in the chat says it's 77% here. Nope. 76, buddy. You not read? No offense. Also, you know, let me do my job. Like we were talking about this earlier. I hate when people come in the chat. Try to tell me what to do or try to do my job for me. Like, no. And finally, everyone that voted on Twitch liked the show. With that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. With that, have a great night. And we'll be back on Friday to talk more wrestling. Then we'll be back. On Sunday for the pay-per-view as well. With that, have a great night, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.